0: you are listening to sparking wholeness with aaron carey where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind body and soul are you ready let's do this hey everybody it's aaron carey and welcome back to sparking wholeness today i am sitting down with jake eagle he is a psychotherapist mindfulness instructor fellow member and trainer of the International Association of Neurolinguistic Programming. After working 30 years in private practice, he now works part-time as a metatherapist, working with people who want to go beyond the bounds of traditional therapy. He is also co-author of the new book, The Power of Awe, which is A-W-E, it's an acronym, Overcome Burnout and Ease, Ease Chronic Pain, Find Clarity and Purpose in Less Than One Minute Per Day. He co-wrote that with Michael Amster. So thank you. Welcome, Jake, to the show.
1: Great to be here. Nice to meet you. And that was a mouthful, that introduction. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: you, I'm, I'm curious, and I'm sure some of my listeners are as well. Um, what is a metatherapist?
1: So meta means beyond. So if you think about people being in therapy, sometimes for many years, the question is what's beyond therapy, right? Um, And I think there is something that is very distinct that goes beyond traditional therapy. And that's really my focus. I've worked for, as you said, I've worked for 30 years as a psychotherapist. And although I really deeply believe in the work and I love doing it, I'm also concerned that it becomes, for some people, it becomes almost a trap where we get overly self-absorbed. We're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about our problems. We're thinking about what's wrong. And I think after a certain amount of time, we need to stop we need, we need to cut back on that. And hopefully our therapy has been productive. We've grown, we've developed good communication skills. We have better relationships at a certain point. It's time to celebrate life and enjoy ourselves. That's really, that's really the focus of doing metatherapy is saying, how do you get out of working so hard and get to a place of celebrating being alive?
0: I love that. You know, it's interesting. My husband is a therapist and we work together at a holistic counseling and wellness center. And we talk about this all the time is that you can have people in talk therapy for 30 years, just going over the same things. And, um, my belief, and it sounds like this is what you're coming from as well is that we need more tools. We need to employ. I mean, there are lots of healing modalities to do that. Um, But what are specifically some other things that you use in your practice?
1: Well, this gets to probably the most fundamental model that I've created in the last decade. And the model is called three levels of consciousness. And the way it works is we've identified, when I say we, I developed this model with my wife, Hannah. She and I have been putting on retreats for about the past 20 years. And I think it was around 10 years ago when we realized that People were getting more out of our retreats when they were experiencing joy and connection with other people, as opposed to just focusing on their issues, their challenges, their problems. So we started to play with the design of the program, and we came up with this model called Three Levels of Consciousness. And what we did is we defined them as the first one being safety consciousness. So safety consciousness is where we spend probably 90 plus percent of our time, maybe more, focused on being productive um, getting business done uh, making sure that we feel safe that the people we love feel safe we're we're very oriented towards uh, trying to make things work well and it's a very valuable state to be in it's extremely necessary but it's also limited so if we move beyond safety consciousness we go into what what we refer to as heart consciousness heart consciousness is very simply a state of gratitude and appreciation and you know we've all experienced it where we just have this deep sense of gratitude for the people in our lives maybe our pets um, maybe the home we live in maybe the work we do our surroundings all sorts of things that bring us a sense of gratitude and when we focus on those it actually shifts our physiology which of course shifts our emotional state. And so we're teaching people to access heart consciousness so that they're not stuck in safety. I'll give you an example. Let's say that, let's say something happens between you and your husband. There's a little bit of tension and you feel like you need to sit down with him and have a conversation. The, the way that most people do that is they get tense they're a little concerned they're worried that it may not go well and so they're going into safety consciousness they're concerned they may be a little defensive and then they start the conversation from there because they start the conversation from there it has a very distinct trajectory and it can be productive but it also has a certain seriousness and heaviness to it if however you were to go into a state of heart consciousness before you had started the conversation. And like for you and your husband, this is perfect because he's a therapist mm-hmm. and the two of you could say, Hey, we need to talk about what happened last night. Why don't we both take a minute access a state of heart consciousness, which means that we're in a state of appreciation. Um, even if we had a hard time last night, I still, I appreciate you. I love you. You're my best friend. And I want to have the conversation from there it completely changes the conversation. And and when I say completely, your physiology changes, your voice tone changes, the pacing at which you speak changes. Everything is different and it makes what would have potentially been a difficult conversation much easier and probably ironically more productive. So we have safety consciousness, then heart consciousness. And the third one is called spacious consciousness. Now, spacious consciousness is a little bit difficult to communicate because it doesn't involve words. It's a state we enter that has a quality of timelessness. It has a quality of wordlessness. There there are no words. We don't try to describe it. We're no longer comparing ourselves. We're no longer planning for the future. We're no longer thinking about the past. Most people access spacious consciousness through some kind of contemplative practice, traditionally say meditation. But you could do it with Qigong, you could do it with um, yoga, many different ways to access this state that takes you beyond time and words. It's a remarkably helpful state to be in. It's a very healing state for our bodies and our minds. The problem is that most people either don't know how to access it Where they do know how, but they don't feel they have the time. So a lot of people say, well, if I could meditate 20 minutes a day, it'd be great for me, but I just don't have the time. And what we've done, when I say we, I'm now talking about Michael Amster, who's my co-author on the book, The Power of Awe. What he and I did is we developed a method for people to access spacious consciousness very quickly. When I say very quickly, I mean five, 10, 15 seconds. And that's by learning how to access the emotion of awe, which we do through a very simple three-step process. And you and I will talk more about it, but I'll first finish up on these three levels of consciousness. So if we can shift ourselves from safety into either heart or spaciousness, it completely changes our outlook on life. It changes the way we relate with people. It changes the way we feel about ourselves. And so this has been a very long answer to your question about if most therapy is occurring at one level, which is safety consciousness, how would we help people experience other levels of consciousness? How would we help people have other ways of working on themselves that don't feel like work, that are not necessarily self-absorbed, that are not... Going to promote or encourage um, narcissism, which can be, uh, can be a, a result of therapy, is that people become preoccupied with themselves. So, our our primary tool in terms of helping people experience what I refer to as a meta form of therapy is to teach them to access different levels of consciousness.
0: I love that. And the three levels of consciousness, they make so much sense to me. It's so important. And with that, I think this is actually a really great place to pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Sleep Number. My sleep number is 40 and my sleep IQ score for this week has been in the 80s, which I'm really proud of. One huge aspect of my healing journey is making sure that I am getting enough sleep and that I am creating a sleep routine that is consistent where I'm going to bed around the same time and waking up around the same time that is so huge for supporting my overall health and well-being. And I love how easy it is to do that with my sleep number bed. I get such quality rest using my sleep number bed. I love that I can track my sleep. I can track my heart rate and my heart rate variability and my breath rate. All of those things are so helpful for me to be able to track where I am in my health journey. Quality sleep is important as we start a new year, especially because everybody's got their new year's resolutions, right? Well, focusing on getting better sleep can help you reach the goals that are important to you by making a positive impact on your overall health and mental well-being. Many people are making resolutions to exercise more or eat healthier or parent with patience, but all of those resolutions are better When you are getting quality sleep and as much as winter may seem like a cozy time for sleep extra layers of blankets and quilts can also create a warmer microclimate which could lead to more tossing and turning so to help your body temperature self-regulate and to sleep your best in these cold months follow these temperature tips Keep the thermostat a neutral 65 to 68 degrees at night, which is ideal for sleep. Wear breathable fabric pajamas and nightwear to keep from overheating. Warm your body before bed, and that can send you to sleep faster. Try sipping warm tea or take a warm shower or bath. It's also really relaxing as well. Consider a humidifier to combat dry air and soothe nasal passages so you sleep more soundly. Those are all such helpful tips for me and how I get to sleep because I know if I'm too warm, it's going to show up on my Sleep IQ score and I'm not going to sleep as well. Why choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number? Because to be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com slash wholeness. That's sleepnumber.com slash wholeness. So Jake, getting back to this topic of the power of awe and your book surrounding the power of awe, what's the premise and why did you and your co-author decide to put it in book form? Great. Well, it actually
1: ties into what we were talking about because five, maybe six years ago, my wife Hannah and I moved to Hawaii. We were living in Santa Fe, which is where I was in private practice. And then we moved to Hawaii and I had what I call the three H's. I I was living in Hawaii, which I love. We have a wonderful home. We feel very good here. And I had my wife, whose name is Hannah, which begins with an H. So I had the three, what I think of as important H's. And yet I wasn't uh, wasn't happy. I had given up my practice. I had given up my reputation. I had given up my sense of uh, being part of a community. And I found it very difficult. And so I started doing exactly what people do in therapy. I started focusing excessively on myself and trying to figure out what was wrong. And the more I did that, the more I was depressed. I looked around and I said, you know, I really should be thrilled to be alive. I mean, look at my life. And I found that to be an interesting statement. I should be thrilled to be alive. And so every morning I started asking this question, am I thrilled to be alive? And I encourage you and your listeners to play with this. I find it to be very powerful. So every morning I would wake up and I would say, am I thrilled to be alive? The more I asked the question, the more I saw wonderful things in my life that were a basis for me to be thrilled. And when I say thrilled, I mean to be excited, to embrace life, to look forward to each day. And I found this to be so helpful. I ended up designing a 21-day course, which I taught online. And it was a very successful course. People were signing up for it, going through it. And there was a buddy system. Everybody who took it would be buddied up with someone else. And the focus was on what would it take for you to be thrilled to be alive? And as part of that, we asked people, I asked people to meditate 10 minutes a day. And what I found is that most people said they just couldn't, they didn't have the time. Right. So I came up with this idea. I said, well, if you can't meditate 10 minutes a day, how about meditating for 30 seconds? Just, just give yourself 30 seconds where you take a break and you meditate on something. And at the end of the course, it turned out that the people who were doing what we called micro meditations were getting similar benefits to the people who were doing the 10 minute meditation. And in the course was my Co-author Michael Amster, he was a student in the course. So he said, "You know, I think these micro meditations. I think we should call it micro dosing mindfulness," which I loved. I thought it was great. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and and he started doing it, and I started doing it even after the class ended, and we found it to be very powerful. And so we decided we would each run a pilot project. He's a doctor. He's a pain specialist in the Santa Cruz, California area. Oh. Very unique doctor. He takes time with his patients. He cares about them. He gets to know them. Um, he's. We need more doctors like that. So he ran a pilot project with about 15 of his patients, and I ran a pilot project With about 15 or 20 of my clients. And we taught them microdosing mindfulness. We taught them how to be mindful for very brief amounts of time for 21 days. The reason we do these programs for 21 days is there's a theory that it takes about 21 days to form a new habit. So that's why we picked 21 days. So at the end of 21 days, people were doing incredibly well. The results were really impressive. We used some formal measurement instruments to see what happened to people in terms of their psychological and physical health. And it improved. So when we were done, Michael flew out here to Hawaii, and we tried to figure out what's going on. We tried to deconstruct, why is this so powerful? And that's when we realized what's happening is people are accessing a state of awe, the emotion Mm -hmm. of awe. So we started researching awe. We found that the Most uh, prominent researcher in the country, or probably the world, is a guy named Dacher Keltner, who is a professor at uh, University of California, Berkeley, and has something called the Greater Good Science Center, where they do a lot of research on the emotion of awe. So we went to him, we shared our results, and he said, this is fantastic stuff. He said, I think you guys have come upon what will be the future of mindfulness, it's a form of mindfulness for a culture where people are overwhelmed and too busy. So we we're pretty excited, and then we then teamed up with uh, Dacker and decided to do a large-scale study. And this is roughly November of 2019, and guess what comes along is COVID.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> COVID happens a few months later, and we see that the doctors, nurses, frontline. Healthcare workers are really having a hard time, burnout, depression, anxiety. So we decided to do a study with the healthcare workers at the hospital where Michael was working. And we also decided to do another study with patients and family members. So we do two studies. Roughly, there's about 400 people involved. We're working with the University of California, Berkeley, to make sure that we're getting uh, good research methodology and tracking results and when the study is over the results are fantastic we see decrease in depression decrease in anxiety decrease in burnout and this is in the height of the pandemic decrease in burnout for doctors and nurses and frontline workers we see a decrease in loneliness we see a decrease in symptoms of pain we see an increase in wellness and mindfulness and so we realized that we're on to something, and it's much bigger than we had ever anticipated. And that's when we decided that we should write an article or a book. We went out to the publishing industry, and we had four publishers bid against one another to get the rights to publish our book. And that's when we knew this is really, this is really worth doing, right? It was not something I planned on doing. I was kind of in a semi-retirement mode. But it seemed really valuable and important to get the word out there. So we spent the last year and a half writing the book. It will come out in January, January 3rd of 2023. And it'll be available everywhere. And we've gotten some fantastic reviews. I don't know if you're familiar with Publishers Weekly, but they do kind of the serious reviews of new books. We got a rave review there um harvard business review is doing Uh a piece on it and spirituality and health Mm -hmm. is doing a piece on this which is kind of interesting because they're such (laughs) opposite ends of the spectrum right so you've got this spirituality and health kind of the somewhat in the new age world spirituality and then on the other end we have harvard business review and they're both seeing terrific value in focusing on the work that we've been doing
0: that is incredible i'm blown away by how much research that you do have behind this. And, and especially as it relates to the frontline workers, that is, that's very clear the the impact that this has. And so I think that's really exciting. And I, I'm excited for you when this book officially comes out by the time this airs, it will be out. And so listeners definitely will be able to get a chance to, to buy that and, and start working on this themselves. So tell me a little bit more about, um, how this science of awe Works, you know, well, let, first, let's let's back up. I'd love to know, can you break down what does mindfulness mean to you? Because we do throw that around a lot, and we've talked about it on the show before, but I want to make sure that people understand, you know what it means just foundational level. So for me,
1: when I think about mindfulness, there are many ways <clears throat> that people can achieve mindfulness. There are various practices that are out there. But I think they all have a similar goal, which is to, bring us into the present moment where we're giving our full and undivided attention to whatever is going on without judging or labeling it. We're just simply present in the moment, paying attention to whatever it is that is happening.
0: And I would say, you know, something that, and I'm glad that we clarified that just because I think that many of us are not in the present moment because we have these little devices at our fingertips all the time that are alerting us and getting in the way of being in the present moment because every single text notification or social media notification, it's an alert and we have to pay attention to that. And then we have fast paced modern life. We have, like you said, an epidemic of burnout and anxiety and brains are extremely dysregulated right now. And we don't pause to be mindful and it sounds too hard to do because we're just not nobody's taught us that you know this is we're kind of this i I would say this culture is a culture of you know put your head down and survive (laughs) blaze on through you know (laughs) and and
1: distract yourself from your anxiety
0: that that's a great point so when you're talking about awe when you're talking about how to enter a state of awe what does that look like
1: Well, it fits in perfectly with what you just described as the problem. So the problem is we're busy, we're distracted, our attention span is relatively short and getting shorter. And the idea of taking 10 or 15 minutes to experience mindfulness seems unrealistic to many people. So this is why Dacher Keltner said he thought what we created is the future of mindfulness because it's applicable regardless of how busy we are, regardless of how overwhelmed we are. All it takes is 5, 10, 15 seconds once you learn the very simple method. And the method is built around the word AWE. We took the word AWE, A-W-E, we turned it into an acronym, and the A stands for attention. So the first step is to, and, and by the way, your listeners can do this right now, look around and find something that you value, appreciate, or experience as amazing, right? doesn't matter, it could be a photograph on your desk, Um, it could be another person, it could be a pet that's sitting at your feet, it could be looking outside at the trees or the flowers, depends where you are, could be the snowfall in the middle of winter, whatever it is, but find something that you value, appreciate, or find to be amazing give that your full and undivided attention you only have to do this for the length of a breath so it's not overly demanding or difficult and then the w stands for wait, and the waiting is where you just give a little extra time to whatever it is you're focused on and you're going to Inhale in a normal way, but then the E stands for exhale and expand. When you exhale, you exhale a little bit longer than what would be normal. And when you do that, the way it affects the nervous system is A, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps you relax. And B, whatever sensations you have in your body will be accentuated. That's the expansion. It's the expansion of whatever you're feeling in your body. And what you're feeling in your body is positive because you were focusing on something that is positive, something you value, appreciate, or find amazing. So the the technique is actually that simple. Um, What we find is that it has a, there's what's called a dose response. What that means is the more you do it, the greater your response will be over time. So we ask people to do this three times a day in the beginning. After some period of time, for one thing, people find it so easy, they do it more than that. And for a second thing, you begin to have what's known as spontaneous moments of awe, where just awe arises naturally. It's not a it's not a um, atypical state. It's just that we don't talk about it and we don't have an intentional way to access it. And that's what we're giving people is an intentional way to access what we believe is probably the most powerful of all of the positive emotions. And you and I can talk about that in a little while. But that is the method and it is um, let me put it this way, there's no reason not to do it. Right. right. It's, never, it's not well. I don't have time. Well, it only takes ten seconds, fifteen seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm overwhelmed. Well, take a fifteen-second break. Yeah. I'm. I'm feeling a little depressed. Well, give yourself a moment of relief from feeling depressed. Just a moment. It doesn't cure all your problems. We're not claiming that. But what we are claiming is that you can reset your nervous system in those ten or fifteen seconds.
0: And that is what so many of us so desperately need. And so this is a very powerful tool. I love that. You know, it's interesting. It makes me think my husband and I last few years were in a very stressful season, work season for him, lots of different various factors happening. We ended up moving to a smaller town with more nature and um, the house where we ended up deciding to live is kind of down this um very tree lined street and the trees all change colors during the seasons, which I live in East Texas. And we don't get all four seasons the way that different parts of the country do, but this, the trees do show off certain times of the year. And I, when we first moved, I just kept thinking every time I drove home, how amazing that I get to live here, how amazing that I get to live in this nature. And it was so interesting to me, the more I thought that the more I thought that, right. And I was picking up more on other aspects of nature that were in my neighborhood and other things. And I remember telling my husband, gosh, I mean, this was probably a year ago. I don't ever want to lose this state of wonder about where we live and nature, because I really think it's it's putting me in such a positive mindset. And so, what you, I mean, that's what this is. That is that's exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. so I, I can see that I've benefited from that myself in a different kind of way. But I, I think that that's fascinating that it's helped so many people across the board.
1: And wonder is the word you're using. Wonder and awe could almost be interchangeable, right? Yeah. yeah. You're really tapping into the same thing. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, this is easy for you. You live in Hawaii or (laughs) they can look at where you are and say you're living in a beautiful area. But I used to work in Tokyo. I would go over there to teach psychology workshops and I could be in downtown Tokyo surrounded by buildings and I could still do the same practice. There's always something, there's a tree, there's a a, a piece of architecture. Uh, there is a individual, I, I'll give you a quick example. I remember watching people who lived in homeless, uh, homeless communities. There were all these tents down in uh, the middle of Tokyo. And I would watch a gentleman come out in the morning and he would put on his suit and he'd have a little mirror, and he would adjust his tie. And here's this homeless man who's getting ready to go to work, and he's taking such care of himself and how he looks. And it's just beautiful. It was a moment of awe. Mm. Uh, Now, somebody may see that same thing and see it in a different way. And the reason is that awe is very personal. It Mm. all depends on how you or I make meaning of whatever it is that we're attending to. So somebody could attend to that gentleman and feel great pain and sorrow, the fact that he's homeless. But what I was doing was celebrating his humanity, the fact that he still cared about how he looked, that he was, um, he had an obvious regard for himself, which I found to be quite beautiful. Hmm. And so- I think for myself, as I get older, one of my desires is to be able to find the beauty and the awe in more and more and more things and people and situations.
0: Yeah. And it it sounds like a practice that you have to actively continue to do. And I think that's such a good example of that, that awe is going to be different for each person. Um, Because in my case, I kind of had to get out of a stressful season to be able to open my eyes again. Um, But this, as the research shows is beneficial for people in the middle of a stressful season. And so they can start doing this no matter their circumstances.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, when we did the research, it could not have been really a more stressful time. This is a very, very early stages of the pandemic where people were really scared. Mm-hmm. There was a huge amount of uncertainty. There was a lot of death and illness being reported every night. You couldn't escape it. And we were—we saw, just as an example, we saw a 24% reduction in depression for people who were experiencing high levels of depression during the study. People who were experiencing low levels of depression. At the end of twenty one days, they had no depression, none wow, so these are these are significant. You have to remember that was in twenty one days, and it was doing something that took less than a minute a day. Uh, we have a line in our book. I can't remember. I think it's the first line it says, um, we were almost embarrassed when we stumbled upon a shortcut to transcendence,
0: yeah." Yeah. because
1: neither Michael or I really believe in in shortcuts. I mean, we both have <laughs> worked hard. We've done a lot of our own psychological and spiritual work, but this really does feel like a shortcut in let, you know, it, it, as the subtitle says in less than a minute a day. And, w- and when we say less than a minute a day, what we mean is you do this 10, 15, 20 second practice, but you do it three or four times a day. So cumulatively, it's still less than a minute, but you're resetting your nervous system each
0: time, and it has a cumulative effect. Yeah, it does. And then there's even evidence that that this works to reduce inflammation in the body. It works on a cellular level.
1: Yes, right. That's the part I I mentioned and said so we'd come back to when I when I mentioned that awe we think is the most powerful of the positive emotions. It's because it is the only emotion that we know that will reduce inflammation. And that's a big deal, because as you know, almost all illness and disease, if if not all of it, is driven by inflammation. And so if we can reduce levels of inflammation, we're helping people take a, a step towards health, both physical and emotional. There's really no difference between them. Um, so yeah, that, that was an extraordinary part of our findings, that we are seeing the power of this emotion. And we weren't the ones who discovered that. Awe has been studied for the, well, about the last 20 years it's been studied pretty thoroughly in the United States. But there's a distinction between all the other awe researchers and ourselves. All the other awe researchers are looking to stimulate awe with things that are extraordinary. So they'll take you and have you sit on the edge of the Grand Canyon, or they'll take you and have you watch the Northern Lights, or they'll have you sit in a laboratory and put on virtual headset, virtual reality headset, and have some amazing experience, and you, you enter a state of awe. What Michael and I have done is we have focused on experiencing awe by finding it in the ordinary, right? Finding it in the ordinary. This is the key because you can't go sit on the edge of the Grand Canyon anytime you want. You can't uh, listen to a phenomenal piece of music just anytime you want. You may be working. You may be having a conversation. You may be driving a car and preoccupied. But in any one of those situations, you can take 15 seconds and access a state of awe if you look around and you find something that you appreciate, value, or find to be amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is powerful. I think just the fact that it reduces inflammation on a cellular level, that it's the most powerful emotion that way. And um, I have in my notes here that it even It was measured by, um, looking at the levels of interleukin six, which is an inflammatory cytokine. So that's very powerful as well. Um, I don't know, you know, for listeners who don't understand, I mean, that's, that's extremely helpful for regulating the immune system. And again, as, as you mentioned, it's, it helps to, it can help could help prevent, um, chronic disease states in the body. And even so. Uh, Dr. Michael Amster, he is a chronic pain specialist. Correct. And so he's seen a decrease in chronic pain with people yes. who practice this?
1: Yes. Yeah. Fairly dramatic. Wow.
0: And 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 now uh, in
1: 2023, we're doing a study at UC Davis with people who are suffering from uh, long COVID.
0: Oh, yeah. And,
1: and this is a very, very, very challenging population they're really suffering and it's not getting enough attention
0: Mm, so we're going to go in
1: and we're going to do a 21 day program teaching them how to access awe to see if we can help them they also have a huge psychological barrier which is long covid is so uh is so challenging because they don't know what to do for it so people who get it end up in a state of despair yes and so we're hoping that our methodology will give those people some hope and, and shed some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and then we are also, Michael has just started exploring, doing a study on people who have uh, cardiac problems. Mm. The, the, and, and it's another population we think we can help. And in, all, in both of these cases, it's exactly what you said. It, it's a matter of trying to reduce the levels of inflammation.
0: Yeah. Well, and long COVID, I mean, I know that there are studies linking long COVID to inflammatory cytokines and the cytokine storm and all of that. And so that, wow, that's incredible because it definitely is something that is affecting a lot of people that, um, and it's a very real thing that people are struggling with. So, um, I'm excited to hear how that turns out.
1: Yes. So am I. Yeah. Yeah. And the the cytokines, um, Michael and I are in a group with other doctors and academics and researchers, and they are very impressive people who have a theory, which I think is pretty sound, that healing does not occur fully unless people feel safe.
0: I Um, cannot. Okay. Let's say that again. Let's louder for the people in the back. Healing does not occur fully
1: unless people feel safe. Yes. And so when you look at our medical system you immediately see this glaring problem which is that most of us go to a doctor or the hospital and we don't feel safe. We don't feel well attended to. We don't feel comforted. We feel we feel anxious. So the the whole setup we have is impeding the kind of healing that is possible. And when you talk about cytokines there are two ways that we frame that. There are threat cytokines which stimulate an adverse response. It does not help us heal. It does the opposite. And then there are safety cytokines, which is what you and I are talking about, where we have a reduction in inflammation. We have more activation of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest, or we call it rest and repair. Mm. And that's what we're trying to do. Now, awe is quite unique in that it does activate the parasympathetic nervous system. So it helps us rest and relax, but it slightly stimulates the sympathetic. It actually has to do with the vagus nerve. It it it, it increases what's known as vagal tone. And when that happens, uh-huh. it puts us in a state that's slightly enlivening. It's a little bit like when you're feeling playful, you're relaxed, but you're slightly stimulated. That's what awe feels like. And- When you enter that state, it's an immediate reward. There's an immediate sense of this is really worth doing. And that's the other reason I think our our methodology is so um, easy to implement is because there's an immediate reward. And if you do this repeatedly, uh, what happens is you take this state of awe, which is a temporary experience, and you turn it into what's known as a trait. It becomes a personality trait. Mm. You you probably know people who just sort of naturally may exude either awe or joy or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's their trait. It's a personality trait. What we're trying to do is help people take this very positive temporary state and turn it into part of your personality.
0: Oh, I love that. I want to be a person of awe, 100%. <laughs> I'm on board. Sign me up. <laughs> this great. is great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and even you mentioned bagel tone and I want to hop back on that because that's super important for creating a balanced nervous system, right. And creating exactly. stress resilience. Right. Right.
1: So when we talk about vagal tone, it's a slightly more sophisticated way of looking at the autonomic nervous system. Historically, we've pretty much talked about it as either parasympathetic or sympathetic. And those those hold up and they're very valuable. But Dr. Stephen Porges uh, developed this theory about, poly. it's called polyvagal theory. He developed it, I think, about 30 years ago. And um, Dr. Porges is in the group that Michael and I are in every other Wednesday. Uh So we've been very fortunate to get his input and he actually wrote a um, delightful endorsement for our book he talks about the fact that if we can improve our vagal tone we're moving ourselves in the direction of both a feeling of safety which you and i talked about but also what he calls being more pro-social when mm. we have increased vagal tone, it changes our voice, it changes our facial expressions, it makes other people more comfortable with us, mm. as, like your husband or yourself, the work you do or the work I do, it allows us to be more effective in facilitating other people's journey if we're in a state with good vagal tone. Mm. Now, if you just boiled that down very simply, you could say it means that we're relaxed. But it's a, again, it's a little more than relaxed. There's something about us when we have good vagal tone that helps other people connect with us.
0: Yeah, right. yeah. And it can help with that co-regulation of the nervous system as well.
1: Exactly, right. And so if I come to see you and you're in a regulated state, good ventral vagal tone, but I'm feeling a little bit anxious, if you can maintain your state, I will actually end up in, it's called in training with your nervous system, I will move towards your nervous system. And I will end up experiencing the benefits of being with you because you're in a state with higher vagal tone.
0: So for parents who are listening to this, huge, (laughs) this is what we want for our kids.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a big, yeah,
1: it's huge. And and of course, not only do we want this for parents, but really, we should be teaching this to children in elementary school
0: 100 yeah, percent. yeah i agree yes yeah. i'm working on my own kids my, my little guinea pigs but um, it is it's it's very hard because it does depend on how i'm regulating myself so um yeah well this has been so good i am going to ask you one last question because how, you know, how, how old oh, are your kids my kids Those i have, kids. have an 18 year old and or he just turned nine nine year old and six year old so they're all across the board
1: right right but none of them, I mean, obviously the oldest one, but, th- but the younger ones, I mean, they could be learning this.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yes. they. And it's funny, um, we have, my husband uses pulsers with his clients, you know, they're like these, oh, they buzz, you hold them in your hands, and they buzz intermittently from kind of palm to palm kind of a thing. And he has brought them home. And my six-year-old, who is a little bit, I would say, he's more more um, just due to some early medical trauma he experienced when he was really, really little being hospitalized for R- RSV, lots of ear infections, things like that. He's a little bit more fight or flight, you know, um, he's a little, he can be more dysregulated and he will ask for the pulsers when he's feeling it, when he feels it in his nervous system. And I love that. I love that. That's a tool that he has. We're working on the breathing. Um, but because respiratory issues are part of his background, um, that's a little more difficult for him. But yeah, I mean, kids can pick this up. I mean, my nine-year-old loves practicing deep breathing.
1: And, and the neat thing about doing this with young kids is that they have a natural propensity to experience awe, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they're often going around wide-eyed, like, look at that, look at that, right? And so all you need to do is help them recognize that they can do that at will. At any yeah. time you're feeling a little stressed, you're feeling a little anxious, take your attention and put it on something that you love, appreciate, or find to be just wonderful. Just focus mm-hmm. on that. Inhale. Wait a second. And I'll tell you in a minute why you wait. And then have them do the longer than normal exhale. The whole thing, again, 10, 15 seconds. A child six years old can easily do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the reason I said wait, um, and I'll come back to it, is because when we're in that wait mode, what's happening is we're quieting the default mode network, which is the parts of our brain. It's not a literal thing; it's more of a metaphor describing several areas of the brain that are responsible, in part, for our, a lot of a lot of our internal mental chatter. Mm. And so, when we can quiet that down. It is a sense of relief for almost everyone.
0: Hmm.
1: It's a moment of relief, like oh, all of that stops.
0: Yeah, and that you're right. That is something that is so practical. Easier than handing him pulsers <laughs> to lay yep. down with. I mean, and easier than just practicing deep breathing when he struggles to do deep breathing. He can definitely focus on something that he loves and appreciates, and mm-hmm. um, and take one breath. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's great, incredible. Great to learn
1: that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to, to put this into practice. So um, to the last question, it is the name of the show is sparking wholeness. And so my question to you is if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be?
1: Well, I think this question that I started with about, am I thrilled to be alive is a very, powerful way to stimulate wholeness to to wake us up so i found that to be really um provocative in a constructive way am i thrilled to be alive and and i want to give just a little bit of context for that the idea for me is that it's a miracle to be alive period regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our relationship problems, regardless of health issues, it's still a miracle to be alive. And it's not always easy, and there are struggles for sure, but in the biggest context is just this extraordinary journey that we're on. And if we connect with that, we experience a sense of being elated, um, awakened, stimulated, sparkling, right? Mm. And so I think that's a really powerful question to use. And then on a more um, technique level or a method, I would say the awe method is another way to stimulate wholeness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I totally agree. So where can people, um, you know, you have a website and where you said the books are available everywhere, but where could they go to learn more about right. the research, maybe all of that?
1: So I think that our website, which is thepowerofaw.com, that is probably the place where you can find the most information. Uh, By the time the show goes live, the website will be up. Um, Not only will we have resources there, but we also are creating what we call a moments of awe page. And that's a place where people can go and either post your own moments of awe, which could be A word it could be a quote it could be a photograph but you also get to see other people's moments of awe which is really stimulating when we when we see how other people stimulate awe it helps us find it within our own lives and so all of that will be on our website uh, thepowerofaw.com
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. This has been such a fun conversation and such a great way. This is a beautiful way to kick off 2023. So yeah, I am excited yeah. that we got to talk about this. And for listeners, you have time to do this as soon as you just turn this off right now, just turn it off and practice some awe right now, wherever you are. So thank you again for being on the show.
1: Great to be with you. Thank you.